Alrighty, sportscasting pod is back. Shay's just chugged a beer, so we're ready to go. Beers? Yeah. <laughs> it's a back to front pod. Yeah, uh, it's a little later in the day than we usually do those. These. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, kind um, of. Re- it's early for you. It's midday for me because time zones are weird. Yeah, yeah. It's four forty a.m. here. I was like. We've had the daylight savings change happen on both continents in the last couple of, well, last <laughs> month. We changed back a couple of weeks ago um, for daylight savings, and then you guys went, did the, no, you did the full back, we did the spring forward, sorry, yeah. Yeah. And basically it works <laughs> out that at like the 12 a.m. time has moved, shifted by a couple of hours, That it would, and it was just easier that you were, I wake up in the morning and you just record a little bit later, and that means I got like a good six and a half hours. I was happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> we still haven't perfected the time that we need to pod yet. I think yeah. I'm not a mathematician, but I'll try to figure it out. Yeah, no, it's good. Um, <laughs> I'm like, I feel awake. Oh, I got a Red Bull and iced coffee next to me, but like, I feel pretty awake anyway. Cause I don't know, like I get up, like this is 440 now. Like the amount of times I have to get up to Champions League or Liverpool games at this time of the morning um, is pretty normal for an Australian. It's just what we do. So, um, yeah, it's not unusual for me to be getting up at this time. I was up this time yesterday just because Vince texted me. For this. gank? <laughs> no, that was the day before, actually. Um, so I was, I've been up at... Right. And that was yeah. a, that game was at 6.30, actually, because the time changed. Anyway, it's gotten better for that. But yeah, um, I was up at... What was it? Oh, yeah, no, me and Vin, Vin, Vince were texting about this Liverpool game we're hopefully going to go to in, uh, in May that unfortunately sold out very quickly. Um, <laughs> and we were mad because we'd both text both been in email contact with Liverpool's hospitality department, um, trying to get them to give us some warning about when the tickets would go on sale. And they were like, yeah, yeah, we'll send you an email. And they never did. So, yeah. Bastards. Time yep. to like a different club. <laughs> <laughs> well, I well he's going to try to go to Arsenal-Liverpool, I think, because he's going to be in London that oh. week, weekend. And I was looking up their hospitality packages, and those are things are fucking way more expensive than anything I've ever had with Liverpool. So... I'm fine with where I'm at. <laughs> because it's uh, just a classier club, you know? Yeah, yeah, no. Um, yeah, no, we, we 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 could only be imagined to be at those levels of class and booing a captain and stuff like that. So <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, well, this is an, this is an NBA pod that we were going to be recording. This, right yeah, now. this sounds like the start of our next pod. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll talk about the NBA at the start of our next one then. Yeah. To even it out. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so today on the agenda, we we kind of like going a bit more topical again, like we did last week, um, which last week's only got uploaded yesterday anyway. So um, you know. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens when you know, you, this we're is what busy happens men. When, yeah, and we do this as like a side hustle, you know, <laughs> a side hustle where we make no money. Yeah, well, and t- only <laughs> lose um, our egos a little bit. So. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, you you said I think something like pay us all the no bucks on um, that's why they pay us all the no bucks on last week's uh, pod. So I say uh, a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> um, Maybe one day uh, we'll have enough money uh, with the pod that I won't be next to a train station that interrupts our pods. Yeah. <laughs> Fortnightly. No. <laughs> that one wasn't too loud though, so it's it. It was you... loud for me, and let me tell you how loud it is at four thirty a.m. <laughs> They come through that early. I thought they. I thought they had like. A, I don't know, man. I just wake up to them every day. <laughs> <laughs> the time change has really fucked you up. Uh, everything has fucked me up. Let me. <laughs> I do an entire pod about Connecticut, but uh, 
no one would listen because no one lives here. <laughs> so it'd just be a whole. Let's bunch, get to the NBA. It'd just be a whole bunch let's... of guys at um, ESPN going, "Yes, I agree." <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know a lot of people up there are pretty upset with the nightlife in Hartford, but I think I would kill for the nightlife in Hartford right now compared to where I live. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, NBA. So we're gonna. Um, start this one a bit more a bit of a discussion about the nba as it's it's coming to the end of the decade you know we're we're getting very close to 2020 um you know in 2009 i I think if any of us had said or just i could i can't even imagine what the bar talk would have been in 2009 now if it's just because the nba now has become so ingrained in what we know um you know well i wasn't allowed in a bar back then so (laughs) <laughs> I, I was in bars back then. That was like my first year. That was my first couple of months of college, like this time in 2000. I guess I had a fake ID, but you know. I'm sure you found your way into bars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the ID said I was 26, so that wasn't wasn't ideal for a baby-faced uh, 20-year-old me. McLovin. I shouldn't have. Stoned on beers most of the time, but uh, <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> McLovin from Hawaii. Um, and I wasn't a big NBA fan back then, so I don't even remember what it was really like. Yeah, I mean, you know, 2009, I was, I'd was i only just moved to the US. I probably wasn't like, I was still kind of getting used to having day-to-day access to NBA because it, it was very hard to watch <laughs> when I was like a, a pup in Australia before that time. Um, you know, the, the coverage over here has increased that much more. And that's one part of the NBA is just its marketing over the last 10 years has just exploded into, you know, the it's become a cultural thing around the world rather than just the US really. Um, but particularly the game in 2009, uh, Pau Gasol was one of, one of its biggest stars um, and part of that Lakers squad that was, you know, in, in the midst of its second little, uh, you know, Kobe won a, his couple of titles. Um, they were in the, another little rivalry period with the Celtics and, uh, and yeah, like Pau Gasol was, you know, second or third star on that team. Um, yeah, he was definitely an all-NBA type player back then. Yeah. Um, Still in the league. Yeah, and that's what's... And still saying big things. Yes. <laughs> um, I guess I should just read out what he said because he basically came out and I think it was in Massa, which is the Spanish publication, um, <laughs> which makes sense because he's Spanish. Uh, we go deep for yeah. the sports guys. <laughs> we, get, we find the sources that nobody else is reading. <laughs> <laughs> um, he basically said about the game, he said it has changed a lot for me. The big change is the game itself. There are very fast shots, very short possessions, few passes in each attack. There are many hasty shots. When I was younger, some of the shots that are attempted now would have seen the coach send you to the bench as a punishment. Now it is encouraged to shoot in the first eight seconds of possession. It has lost the beauty of the game, the purity it had, the fact of moving the ball from one side to the other, the ball inside-outside, which was to play with two in the post. Now there are times when there are teams that play with five small guys. Mario Hazonia played this the other day as center with us. Which that might be just because the Blazers don't have a center, really. But well, Zach know. Collins just got hurt, so yeah. we're kind of scrambling. Yeah, so. White Whiteside didn't out. Yeah, Pau Gasol is a Blazer at the moment. For those who may not be as in, I, yeah, I, I don't I, know if he'll ever I, see the court. But I kind of forgot he was a Blazer until I read these comments the other day. Even though I knew, yeah, he did. <laughs> I don't think he'll see the court, but he's probably like he's kind of transitioning into coach. But uh, yeah. yeah, um, he had, well, he had a bit more. He said, I. So I should just finish his comments and then we can get into it. Because then he goes on to like how it kind of, he makes it a discussion about society these days, which is, (laughs) it's, you know, you can talk. It's interesting. Yeah. He says, I I don't know it's different. I want to keep fighting. I think you can win by playing with two two tall players. 
which is true. Depends on the talent of the tool player. Yeah, I absolutely. I we'll wish get you, to it. Yeah, I wish I could contribute to this theory really in the time I have left as a player. The fact is the NBA likes this dynamism, this speed. This is how society and the world in general are evolving. Everything is like that. Everything is more dynamic, faster. So... Well, it's interesting, certainly. There's a lot to unpack. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, we break it down point by point because there is a lot there. Yeah. I mean, the game itself. I can understand why, like, he... But, like, I don't... I can't even... I was start, What I started to think straight away was, like, the Power Gasol of 2009, if you plug him into this NBA, I think you'd find he'd find a role, like... Stretch four, yeah. yeah. Even as a center, yeah, because he would be good because he could he can shoot, you mm-hmm. know, the mid range. So he would still be good as a five. He would like. I wish we had the two thousand nine version of Pau Gasol on this Blazers team because that's kind of what they're missing. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah. I mean, you seen like you mentioned um, Zach Collins, unfortunately, injured for a while now for the Blazers, but he's he is kind of like there's guys like that coming out even Brooke Lopez like last year for the Bucks found a, found mm-hmm. a role because even though he's a veteran um because he can shoot the three ball and I think he was mm-hmm. a- averaging two over two threes a game for the Bucks when once he got um once he headed over there so I uh do you think the game has lost like he literally says lost lost some purity I don't know if it's lost purity because I don't think the M- the NBA has always been an ever evolving thing Oh, of course. Um, Everything's always evolving. Yeah. I mean, we look at 80s basketball. That's the conservative party, am I right? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, but, de- uh, that's devolving over there. But um. Yeah, and they like it that way. Um, <laughs> no, I, th- I, I mean, in 2009, that, that was coming fresh off of the seven minute or seven seconds or less Phoenix Suns that saw Steve Nash win a couple MVPs. So mm-hmm. I think it started evolving back then, and I think – that offense really led to what we're seeing now in the NBA. And I think that was one of the most fun offenses that the NBA has ever seen was the seven seconds or less sons that Steve Nash led with, you know, Sean Marion, Amari Stoudemire, a few other pieces there. Um, they obviously never won, but they easily could have, I think they got yeah. some bad luck against the Spurs and stuff like that. But I think it has evolved to a point where everybody plays that way. So back then, you know, you could win with a win with a couple of big men, which I think you still can. It's just that the focus is not on big men anymore. And if you're going to be a big man, you have to be able to shoot kind of like this kid out of Memphis who might be the number one draft pick coming up. Mm. But I do think that it is beautiful in a different way. I think the league went through a really tough run after Jordan where it was just kind of bully ball, kind of like the Detroit Pistons uh, back-to-back titles and stuff like that way back in the day where it was just like 93 to 78 rock fights out there. Mm-hmm. I think it's better to see made baskets and there still is great defense being played, even if it they are not big men playing it and protecting the rim. I think you have to have solid wing defenders now, and that has transitioned the game a little bit into the new era. So again, there's lots to unpack there. It, there's no clear answer. It's definitely not black and white, but I like the way that the game is now because it's exciting. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about the big man thing too. Uh, obviously, this is um, injury curtailed this, but you had that little run of the Pelicans when before uh, Cousins had his first major injury. At that mm-hmm. point, he hadn't had any major injuries. Um, Anthony Davis was probably in 
MVP form and Demarcus was um I mean I had him on my, on my fantasy team and I remember that he was he was twenty five you know he was twenty five twelve and and eight like he was really he was his numbers I'm probably exaggerating a little bit I can't his assist numbers might have been a little he was lower, getting better stats than was, Anthony Davis yeah and Anthony Davis was playing really good ball and those are two big guys that they were kind of finding a rhythm in and and that's because they could shoot you know Anthony Davis could shoot a bit better but Boogie was certainly no slouch as a shooter and. Mm. Then, and their and their athletic ability to be able to move like they were starting to work out how to play together and those are two of the big biggest big men that you could have on the court, um, and it's just it's just basically talent level um, I think is where it comes, and you know that might be the thing is that maybe it's just harder to find talented big men in the league at the moment considering the way it's going with shooters as well but you know Zion's come in as like this freak of an athlete, um, there's always going to be these guys coming through uh, it's just it's just about you know. Drafting the best guy, you know, there's the, the, the whole Blazers thing. I'll oh, just draft the better guy rather than the guy you need. But you know, if they just draft teams, draft the best best talent they can, and make them fit with their system. And and sometimes that's going to be big guys like Zion or um, another boogie or um, Anthony Davis coming through. I understand that. Uh, I think his, I think his argument's kind of like half about him and then half about how he. Whether or not I think I don't I don't think Powell's being um, uh, just I don't think he's grumbling too much. I think he's more just genuinely he his his prime in the league was back back with those Lakers teams and whatever, mm-hmm. and he just he's decade ago, and the yeah. game's just gotten away from him, and maybe he just doesn't see doesn't see the the plus side of what the uh, the shooting is, and that's uh, I guess we can get to that now. Is like I don't know there'll be some kind of I think there'll be some kind of level off when with um, paying these guys because you know you've, you've had Buddy Hill get a pick <laughs> actually that contract wasn't too bad in the end I don't think for either either party but um, right. still a guy yeah. like him wouldn't be demanding that contract 10 years ago I don't think um, but because shoot, no. that, that, that kind of shooting is just so much more valuable now so whether we see um, in the next 10 next 5-10 years um, some kind of level off with how they how they value these shooters but depending on how many more come in because who knows if in the next ten years we might just keep getting more and more of these guys with how the league has been, but um, I don't see I I love good hard basketball as well, like you know that in, that post play and all that stuff. But I can't say that I I I think it's a detriment to the league that we've got that many more good shooters in it. Like Steph Curry's been one of the biggest joys to watch mm-hmm. over the last ten years, best shooter of all time. Yeah. So I just think um, he. I get where he's coming from that. Yeah. A lot has changed, but I don't think it's a bad thing. And I don't know if he's necessarily saying it's a bad thing. Yeah. He's saying the coaches would back then would think those are terrible shots, but we know now that those shots are not terrible. We know that those are the high percentage shots because of advanced metrics, you know, Daryl Morey kind of changed everything with the Rockets and, and Steve Nash did back in the day with the Suns, kind of like I was talking about. So we as a basketball society know that those shots aren't bad. So coaches have, a little bit more leniency when it comes to that. And they know that it's actually a higher percentage to shoot, you know, a 25 foot three than an 18 footer because three points is more than two. So <laughs> that's yeah. the bottom line. So yeah, coaches might've been, might've used to hated a shot like that, but now I think they're used to it and now everybody takes them. So that's just kind of the way it's evolved. I don't know how it, where it goes from here. I think you need a dominant big man like Shaq. If you want to, bring back the interior game and people start to see that model work against 
these really fast twitch offenses that are just seven seconds or less, get a three point shot, get a high percentage shot. So it'll take a dominant big man to kind of change the way that it's evolving. But I just don't see that happening because every big man is shooting threes now because they feel like they have to. So there's never going to be, you know, Wilt Chamberlain again, I don't think. Because it's just not it's just not going to factor in. Seven footers, like I said, this kid out of Memphis is supposed to be good, but, and he can stroke the three. I haven't watched enough college basketball yet because it started two days ago. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, I have not watched any. So I don't know his name yet, but apparently he's really good and he, he might go top five. So maybe he'll be on the Warriors, and that'd be fun to see a seven-foot-one guy on the Warriors that can stroke a three with, you know, a healthy Clay and Steph and Draymond. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess the other thing is he says like he losing the purity of the game and, and he talking about moving the ball from one side to the other. You, you watch those Warriors teams in the height of their powers, um, both pre-KD and then especially that KD era. Like that was some some of the ball movement they had going to open up the shots that they did with some of the – it's just – you find a highlight tape of that on on YouTube tape. What am I fucking? <laughs> <laughs> it's still tape. <laughs> yeah, um, you know that's some of the best best basketball I've watched over the last five ten years is watching the Warriors mm-hmm. at, at their peak moving the ball because that's how they got those open shots was by moving the ball and sometimes they'd move it in and out and and you know you had guys like you know, Bogut and other you know they didn't do too much but they they yeah they did Zaza they, yeah they played within the system and i think you know they, they even bought uh, bogut back from australia last year because they valued you know it was limited minutes and whatever but they valued what he could bring to the floor because he understood the spacing and how and how the warriors played so yeah there was always roles in there and then you know defensively he did what he what he could but um the way they moved the ball was some of the like i I remember what's because I was always rooting against them, even though I actually don't. I like the Warriors. I just wanted LeBron to win. And then there was series against the Blazers. Those games again. Yeah. <laughs> Shay shaking his head. Um, <laughs> you know, but yeah, some of that ball movement was some of the best I've ever seen. Um, certainly, yeah. certainly, I guess because it was through my twenties. Uh, maybe it's just maybe it's just the recency bias, and because it was the impressionable adult time of my life um, watching a basketball team. But I, I. It was time and time again. You'd be watching the Warriors, whether it be against the Blazers or whoever, and you'd just be like, "Oh my god!" Like these guys, you know, the Blazers have got a pretty good couple of ball handlers themselves in the backcourt. Oh they, yeah, they could never that that. It was those other guys around Steph and Clay and then KD that really made it work because they had a yeah whole, role players, the yeah, glue guys, yeah, yeah Simmons, the Iguodala's, the um, Livingstons, all those other guys that were there. Oh yeah, that built the squad. So there was a purity to that basketball that. Um you know, what Kerr did and built there for a couple of years there. And unfortunately, it's all falling apart now, um, which is just what happens. But they had a good five-year run where some of the basketball was, you know, anyone, you, aliens come down, they go, that's how you meant to play basketball. <laughs> uh, that's how they... There they, you they, go, the yeah. alien test. And they're not going <laughs> to look at the uh, 80s, you know, the bully ball teams of the late 90s, early 2000s or whatever and say, that's how you should play it. They're not going to look yeah. at the Lakers. They might look at the Lakers of 2009 and say that was pretty good, but they'll look at the Warriors. The Warriors are the eye test. If you came down and just looked at any era, that would be the team, one of the teams you'd look at as just playing the most pure form of basketball, the way they moved the ball and, and shot it. Yeah, and what does purity even mean yeah, when it well, comes down to it? I mean, is LeBron or Harden pinning the ball to their hip and barreling into the paint like they're a fullback in football and then getting fouled and going to the free throw line? Is that pure? 
was Kobe hoisting up 30 shots and, you know, playing hero ball, was that more pure than what sharing the ball and getting a shot up quickly because it's a high percentage shot? I mean, what does purity really mean? Mm -hmm. I think purity also evolves with the sport. So I don't know if there was ever a purity to basketball. I think it's just because if you look back at some of the best teams in history, they were moving the ball and scoring fast. You know, some of those Oscar Robertson teams, you know, like he was averaging a triple double way before Russell Westbrook was. Mm -hmm. So it's like, maybe the NBA is actually regaining some of its purity that it knew at the start of, at the start of the league. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess the only thing that's different now is you got a little play player movement, but again, the Warriors, but Yeah, we can get to that. Yeah. Cause... I think that's in the next part, but um, as far as the on court stuff, like, yeah, I think the Warriors, and in particular the Warriors actually did have, and they've still got a couple of the guys that have been there from the start are still there. I mean, they're both injured at the moment, but <laughs> yeah. um, they may be the last of an old breed of guys that stay at a team for their whole career because I think Steph and Clay are very, uh, there's a good likelihood. Oh, definitely, that backcourt. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. And, you know, he says about how it's, uh, how the evolving NBA is, is linked to the uh, evolution of how we are in the 21st century as a society. And I don't know if that's, I think, I don't know if that's the right uh, connection to make. I think it is just essentially, it's, as far as the 21st century of uh, of um, people understanding numbers more and not and not just, you know, not just going, oh, this is how we should play, you know, just leave it on the court. And people actually respecting people in, back, in dark rooms, looking at numbers and working out, you know, advanced metrics, as you mentioned before. That side of society is certainly part of basketball now, but I don't. I think. I think beyond that, like social, the social media and and that side of society, I think is more actually affecting the on off court. You know, the the egos and the and the player movement. Oh, and all that. But yeah, yeah. Definitely. As far as the dynamism of the league, I think that's just something that's just naturally evolved and was going to happen regardless of society around it. Because you do have guys as talented as Steph, and you do have the understanding of the advanced metrics to make the league the way it is. So, yeah. I don't think society's had that effect on it in the way that he's framed it. I think it's just a natural evolution that was going to happen in the NBA. I think it's just a difference in generation type of thing. You know, I think millennials, um, we get a lot of, and I say we, because, you know, millennials started in the eighties, which is a lot of the NBA players from 1980 to 1995. A lot of people were born in that era mm -hmm. that, uh, that are still in the NBA. Um, all the superstars were born in that era. So other than like some of the young guys, but yeah, I, think I think it's just it, this, our generation just kind of um, is more sensitive to everything and <laughs> wants everything to be kind of be their way. And I think people that aren't in our generation just don't uh, really understand that. So I don't, I don't know. I guess society is reflected in basketball because I do think society is reflected in all sports, but yeah. I don't think I don't think it's detrimental to anything. No, I I think it's more. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people that talk about society, and and there's certainly a lot of bad elements in society, but there's also a lot of things that are you know have evolved in society for the good. You know, there's, you know more uh, you know legal substances out there. Um, mm. um, yeah. Know, uh, the equality as far as um, the the rights that are slowly moving towards certain uh, groups. Um, and so you, you do have all those evolutions in society that you could say are reflected in basketball. But yeah, I think it's just, um, I think basketball is just going to go this way as the understanding of numbers was going to come anyway. Um, you know, it's kind of the antithesis of this, um, of 
the way that America is at the moment, well, the way that the certain president is trying to make America, you know, the <laughs> NBA is just is uh, going the other way. So it's, yeah, I think what Powell has said, it, it is a classic kind of, um, and again, I don't think he's being, uh, he's being, he's not being a real grumbling old man. He's just kind of looking at it from his point of view, from his heyday. But yeah, it is just that it's gone, it's gone a bit past him, and he just he doesn't have the ability to play in it. Uh, but I do wonder, like I said, I think he would have gone okay back if you brought his two thousand and nine self to this league. So he's a yeah. little like Tommy Lee Jones at the end of No Country for Old Men. Yeah, you know, he's still trying and everything, but he realizes that it's just kind of like past him, and he's not. He knows it's nobody's fault, basically, but it's just the way it is. Yeah. That's what makes that scene so great. And I think a lot of aging sports stars can relate to that because it is just like, look, it was always going to evolve. Pau Gasol back in the day was part of the evolution from kind of the rock fights that started in the early 2000s to what we have now. He was kind of in the middle of that. So he was part of the evolution as well, but now it's continued to evolve. Everything will always keep evolving. So now it's just a little bit past him and there's nothing wrong with that. I don't think he's, you know, he's not pulling one of those like Oscar second big O <laughs> reference on this, but Oscar Robertson, I'm just saying, Oh, Steph Curry, he wouldn't have scored like this back in the day. You know, we would have just picked him up full court and it would have, and that's all that it's like, Dude, you can just admit that Steph Curry is great. You don't have to like stand up for your generation. I don't think Pau is doing that at all. I just think he's trying to wrap his head around what's going on now. So yeah, yeah, you got to love those old NBA guys going like, yeah, Jordan <laughs> saying that Steph isn't a Steph's not a Hall of Fame. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's just I don't, I just don't think that because of their egos, I just don't think they understand how bad they sound and how kind of kind of jaded they sound that they're yeah. not in the league anymore it's like it's fine that it's evolved like you were great at one time and nobody's taking away from you just because people think some people think lebron's better than you guess what just as many people think you were the greatest of all time yeah you don't have to take away from an entire generation of basketball just because of your own ego but that's you know i'm not a professional athlete so i don't know what that's like but it yeah just... I, I can't even imagine what it is like to have an ego that's actually substantiated by my talent so <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like michael jordan that dude's insane like he's like not even a real person yeah yeah no he's definitely I mean, he's definitely a cartoon straight out of space jam yeah um, i mean look at his look at his clothing choices alone he basically <laughs> is a cartoon so uh, I, can't, I can't wait to hear what he has to say when the, another space jam comes out with lebron in it but um, well, I'll probably be on his side on that. I don't think we need another Space Jam, but that's whatever. <laughs> I'm all for another Space Jam because Damian Lillard's going to be in it, so that's fine. Yeah, that pisses me off. Because <laughs> <laughs> now I have to see it. So, so you're going to be the Pau Gasol at this new Space Jam screening. You're going to be like... I will be. Back in my day. I'm, I'm Pau Gasol in a lot of things. I go to school with 22-year-olds, man. I'm just like <laughs> trying to wrap my head around it. And I like, I do feel like my life is like Tommy Lee Jones. Like... I'm just sitting there like trying to talk to somebody at a table and I'm just like staring dead into like the table and I'm just like, yeah, well, is there even good out there? I don't know. <laughs> and then cut to black. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I mean, I get it. It's not fun getting older. That's for sure. <laughs> Something everybody can relate to. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I'm just yeah dealing with my shoulder issues just from helping the brother move house so 
Yeah. Yeah, my back just hurts every morning. And it's just like, all right, okay, that's new. Yeah. I guess that just sucks now. So, <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, you wake up one day and you're like, oh, I guess I'm going to have back problems for the rest of my life. That's fine. Yeah. Um, and, you know, maybe maybe that's what maybe Powell was having a particularly sore day and was just like, I'm just going to have a little whinge about the NBA because it's too hard now. <laughs> Maybe you just, maybe you just had a little too much Rioja, and he was just you know feeling a little <laughs> loose, and he was just being honest. And I, I like, I think that is one of the best things about this generation of basketball that maybe he picked up on a little bit is that this is a group of extremely honest people, very sensitive people. But I think, I think I don't think being sensitive is a bad thing. I think sensitive means being in tune with your own emotions, and I think this generation is that way. Um, we talked about it with Kyrie last week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, it's, I don't think that's the worst thing in the world, but just when you have like the boomers and Gen Xers still writing about these people who were told just to tough all that stuff out and they don't understand why, like if Kevin, Kevin Durant didn't like Oklahoma, why he would want to go to Golden State. It's like, you can't understand that at all. There's not a, there's no part of your brain that would understand why he doesn't want to live in Oklahoma City compared to San Francisco. Yeah. Especially a town that put up a headline that said Mr. Unreliable. They just want him to rub some dirt on the on that fact, but mm-hmm. Kevin Durant had all the power in that. So why can't you wrap your head around that? So I think once those people start retiring, and they already have started retiring a little bit from sports journalism, I think we will have kind of a clearer view of what these guys go through, rather than it being seen through some archaic glass. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, I don't know where I was going with that, but um, just the mixture well, of the generations, I think. I think we're still just there's growing pains for a bunch of older people trying to understand our generation, and then there's a generation under us that I don't understand. So that's just how time works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah some <laughs> some things I see on Instagram, like you know, just the things that you see on Twitter, and I'm just like, I, I'm I'm now the old man on Twitter who doesn't understand this, but that's fine. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just, Kids just say like they say bet now and they say facts and they say no cap and I'm just like all right and it's all like emojis and shit I'm just like without sounding too old because I do understand it because I'm around young people enough but like I would never I would never send you no cap <laughs> like I the have, no sign in emoji and the cap yeah. I am just completely lost right now I don't even I see I don't know any of that because I just don't just my world just isn't in that and like so i see stuff on twitter if i don't know i'm just like i'm just on twitter for sports and 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 my friends so and that's really what yeah. that's what i'm on there for same with all the other socials so yeah most of my my, yeah. my instagram is increasingly just a feed of uh different different <laughs> sports teams like you know i rarely see my friend stuff on there it's just sports teams and and race cars and stuff like that so yeah well there's not like pictures of us getting bombed on there like every other post anymore because we're older so yeah yeah no yeah, yeah. there was the, the, that little period at the o bar it was just a drunk drunk picture every week but um you know we evolve yeah we still want to can't drink. even imagine the generation of drinkers there now i would <laughs> probably critique them like pow is critiquing this generation <laughs> uh. Drink, drink. They've lost their purity to the drinking. Yeah, dollar, they, they, they dollar beers has lost its purity. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're dollar, they're dollar twenty now. Um, they actually probably know drinking a little better than us after the last couple of duck seasons. But yeah, because when yeah. we were there, the ducks were going to BCS games. Yeah, yeah. Well, they, they, at least they're having kind of back in it a little bit now. Um, tic Tacs, <laughs> touchdown Tic Tacs. Yeah. Uh, 
I think there was one game where it was just you were just buying me Tic Tacs every time Stanford scored Stanford. to make, make me feel better. So, <laughs> And I was celebrating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just wants to watch the world burn. Um, so I I, the what you were saying before about Kyrie and just, and just the general like um, the change in – as I almost pulled the mixer off the table. Um, <laughs> just the change in how people are – the millennials and and – all those things you're saying, I'm I'm just paraphrasing terribly, but I was going to roll into like a, the next part that we we're going to talk about. Like, so the league's gone through this monumental change in the last ten years with how it's played. Um, but then the other big change, and then then it kind of rolls into what I want to talk about next, which is what will how will it change over the next five to ten years? Is it's really the player movement era has has obviously, um, well, I think we've talked about it on a pod before and whatever, but. Um, that's been a, probably the biggest part of that, particularly the last five years, but it started at the start of the decade with LeBron moving. Um, um, that was probably the first big one. And then you've, and Durant was another, you know, and then since then we've had a few more and Durant's gone again. And it's just normal, yeah. it's normal now to us. We're expecting it. We're expecting these guys. We don't actually expect these guys to stay. Like that's probably the more surprising thing. You know, when Lillard signed his max extension over the summer, we were really excited about it because we we're like, oh, Thank fuck, you know, and then these guys can still get traded, but at least you've got the, the security of the contract for a couple of years at least. Um, what do you think the next big change is going to be over the next five to ten years? Because I think there's going to have to be some, you know, you always talk about market corrections in economics. Um, I wonder how far it will go before the NBA and the play and the players may it may be the hardest thing to get this by, but they just try to find a way to keep players at teams because I think um, both and we can talk about the societal impact of how people follow basketball now too but I guess just the on-court products and as well as the players player movement I guess we can start with that well the player movement is obviously going to be the biggest thing I think the age of dynasties is over it's now time for the mercenary age where mm-hmm. players are just gonna do whatever they want and so there's not going to be the there's not going to be the rivalries of yesteryear i should say you know even that that oklahoma city golden state rivalry from a couple years ago before kd left like that that had the chance to be something great over years but kd just left and um it's kind of like the pacers versus miami a couple years ago too probably Mm -hmm. long a longer ago but like that could have been an all-time rivalry but you know, LeBron was in and out. Paul George left, so I think we're yeah, done Paul, seeing. Paul George's broken leg really fucked that too. I reckon like that was that that, that time, as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, as far as the on the court stuff, I mean, they they've toyed around with the four point line. They've uh, toyed around with changing the playoffs to a one through sixteen seed. So, if they're really looking to force evolution, which you know I wouldn't be surprised, uh, <laughs> since they have gained so much popularity that. They could ruin a good product, which seems to be what the American business model is. So I think you could see one of the, a couple of those things happening like that. There could be a growing movement for it. So that's possible. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, it's hard to predict. If you could predict what was going to be the next phase of evolution, you would be a millionaire. So <laughs> I, who knows what we're going to see? I, you know, I never thought we'd see the days where guys just are, you know, a great player like LeBron James is on his third team. Mm-hmm. So technically his fourth, if you count him going to Cleveland twice. So yeah, I, you know, you didn't see that with your bird, your magic, even like, I mean, Jordan playing for the wizards hardly counts, yeah. um, but you know, it kind of all started with the Boston big three over a decade ago. 
and since then it's just gotten worse and worse. So yeah, it is just going to be the player empowerment. Um, how far can this go before owners start to fight back? Kind of like you said. Yeah, well, that's like um, and uh, something we listen to a lot is Simmons' podcast, and something that he uh, has talked about is. Um, both, I think, in his book of basketball series he's doing now, and then just on pods uh, over the last few years, is how the new generation, the you know, kids coming through following basketball, um, how many of them are just following players rather than teams, and that'll be the big yep. issue for the NBA, I think, and for me, like as a as a you know a traditional sports fan, if you want to call the kids that follow players more so as the untraditional types, not that there's any yeah. less, less value to following players, it's just you know. Sports has always been framed as a team game, um, and, it, and it certainly is across the world um, in most sports. But basketball is that interesting one where and I don't know, I'm, I've got a couple of LeBron jerseys in my closet, both from the Lakers and the and the and Cleveland, and I want to go back and get a Miami one because I, I do follow him as a, obviously Blazers in my team, but I do enjoy following different players like Giannis. I've got a Giannis jersey. Yeah, like, this the NBA might be the only sport that I do have a wide variety of kits just because. So I do follow. I do. And that's the way they market the NBA too. They do market very much mm. around their players, and that's that's great too because it does. It's what's made the league what it is. It's made it full of personalities, and they and they use that. But then, is uh, as Simmons said, kids are often you know they'll just follow. It. I've, I've I've known guys, even just guys you know not too far away from my age that are that have literally changed their teams as they followed LeBron through. So, yeah. Um, that's that's probably the next ten years. I wonder how the NBA is going to battle that if it does continue down that road because they they still want obviously to play basketball. You need teams, so they want to be able to lean on the teams. But then if the players just become so much more just part more important than the teams, and what does that do for the teams? And then like you said, the owners, how do they battle that? Because they'll want to they'll still want to protect the brand of the team and make money off of the brand of the team and sell the gear and all that. And then if you just if it is just people aren't interested in teams anymore, which I don't think that's going to happen. I think. I think there's actually a lot more people out there. It's just we see, uh, but yeah, that probably my biggest question is how they're gonna how they're gonna battle that over the next ten years, and that'll be partly how they battle the if player player movement keeps being, becoming more and more, and it gets to becoming an epidemic of just players just being like, oh no, fuck it, this team's going downhill, I'm gonna go. There might have to be some changes in how they structure contracts and and you know, yeah. collective bargaining agreements, and that obviously, um, and if players don't want that change, and that that you know. Maybe there's a lockout in the next five, ten years, and yeah, yeah, true. And I think it's gonna. We've already seen changes to the supermax because the NBA is really trying to keep players in there because you know small market teams. That's a huge deal. New Orleans, New Orleans, luckily got the first pick, but mm-hmm. if, you know if they don't get Zion, if they end up with even like R.J. Barrett, you know they might lose that franchise. So the NBA is not in the market to move franchises around because it's alienating fan bases and. Moving to a place where you don't know, like obviously Seattle would be a hotbed, but where else are you going to move NBA teams? Um, and if players just want to go to LA and New York, are you just going to load up those cities with teams? You can't do that. Yeah, it, there's not enough. There's not enough fans to go around. So you, they're going to have to incentivize even more staying with your team, which I don't think should be a problem. But that's just something they're going to have to tackle as it comes because. Bottom line is they're greedy. Owners are greedy, so they don't want to give all that money. But the NBA is going to have to say, "Well, you're going to have to," because a team like Portland can't really afford to lose a uh, Damian Lillard. Mm-hmm. You know how how does that affect season ticket sales? If imagine being this a uh, season ticket holder for like 
I don't know, even the Toronto Raptors right now. I know they just came off a championship, but like, why are you buying? Like, why are you buying tickets to see that team? I yeah. guess. Yeah, and that's like the crazy thing when you think Kawhi get traded to the Raptors, and and obviously as a free agent. But um, then the other thing you brought up New Orleans, and I was just thinking back to the last few years. Like they had Anthony Davis, then they traded for Demarcus Cousins, and for a little bit they had both of them on the floor. Then they've got neither of them now, but they've got Zion. Like they've had the luck of like like you said, if they don't get that first pick, then all they've all that's happened is they've got RJ Barrett maybe, and they've lost two of the most two of the biggest talents in the league over the last ten years, and. That as a fan base would be hard to hard to stomach because you know Demarcus. They already didn't go. Yeah, yeah. they already and, didn't go to games. Yeah, so. and who knows what would have happened if Boogie hadn't gotten injured because he did just sign a a, a, a team friendly deal to recover essentially at Golden State for a year. And um, but yeah, I, and then he, you know, I think I'm trying to think if he was offered this. I don't think they actually gave him that. The Sacramento thing was quite uh, that was a that situation was quite unique with Boogie, but. Um, Teams have the ability to give the max, and obviously Lillard got it this year. But the players are actually, you know, they're not that worried about it because the money they they know they know they're going to get paid either way. So that's what the NBA might have to they might have to look at the way they structure these maxes and make put more incentives in there for the players to stay like really really stay. But then that's going to obviously change the cap completely and and what the owners are having to commit to. So I. I think there's a way to do it. I'm obviously I'm not I, Mark. I don't. I'm not economically minded at all. I just I'm I'm the one that talks about it and then says, "Hey, you guys go do it." But <laughs> yeah. Well, I think a lot of it will be dependent on you know a lot of guys follow the lead of some of the biggest superstars. You know, LeBron, LeBron and KD move teams, so now everybody thinks that they can move teams. But we don't know what it's going to be like for Giannis when he comes up, and it, maybe he wants to stay in Milwaukee. Mm. And who knows with Zion and you know, four years, what's going to happen. Um, people are already speculating on it, but it's like, maybe he likes New Orleans and wants to stay there. You know, people are going to follow what the best, best people in the league kind of do. Mm. Sure. There'll be still be mercenaries out there who want the best contract and stuff like that. But right now the player empowerment was started by Boston's big three, but it was really the decision with LeBron that changed everything. And a, a generation of young players saw him do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but now, do players still look up to LeBron, or are they looking up to people like Giannis and Zion, and um, even Harden, who's younger than LeBron? So, who knows? Yeah, yeah. Still, I think people coming through, like the kids that come into the league now, are still like you know, kids that are nineteen, twenty, whatever, coming out of college into the league. Their early teenage years are still watching LeBron at his peak. So, mm. I think I think you have the next few years. You still have a lot of guys that are influence and LeBron's still playing great basketball at the moment so his influence is going to be on the league for a long time still but yeah there will be starting to be people that are more it's more Durant or Curry or uh and then Harden Westbrook and those guys and Harden I guess he's uh you know he's he was traded to Houston and he's been there since and he's probably going to be there for a while yet I would think um depends on if they have to block the team eventually i mean that's a mess and we can get to that at the close of the podcast but yeah <laughs> i think they'll be fine but it is kind of a mess there right now so yeah um i guess the other question we're going to close out this discussion how how does the nba markets market itself over the next 10 years uh, or continue to market itself as we go into the next decade because they've you know they've really um we've had the change of um commissioner obviously this decade which is huge because david stern really uh, he's the one that pushed the NBA on to being what it 
became for Adam Silver mm. to take over. And Silver certainly had his he's a popular commissioner, I guess, but he's had some moments recently and then he obviously had to deal with the yeah. Donald Sterling thing very early on, which kind of kind of planted his flag into the ground as to the kind of commissioner he's gonna be, that he was gonna be supportive of of um, you know, that we we co-op the term wokeness but it is what they call the nba the woke league a lot so yeah well he um, kind of uh and that's where he planted his flag very early so um but then the hong kong stuff recently he kind of showed the other side of it that yeah. it is still a business. so i think i think the nba's best option is to lean into the player empowerment movement and mm-hmm. be like look at how much we care about our players we almost let them do whatever they want um i think that would be a stark contrast to what the nfl is doing which is pretty gross. Um, the way they treat players and um, just even the fans treat players in the NFL is just kind of a commodity that comes and goes. And the second that you're a half second slower on your 40 time, you're gone and mm. you're going to end up broke. Um, I think that's the NBA's best move right now is to just lean into it and be like, look at how much, look at how much respect we give our players. We let them dictate what the league's going to be basically. Yeah. I think, I think that's the move right now, and I think that's what the fans want. Yeah, yeah, and that's what like I was saying before that I worry about um, the league if you know players just move more and the te- the value of supporting a team gets less. But I don't think I think with all of this that we've been talking about, I think there'll be a correction because I think people as you get older, like you really you do. I think you naturally humans are just naturally drawn to a team. Um, so I think we will see people still support teams and. And like I said to myself, I support players as well, so I think it's not hard to do both. Um, but yeah, I think the I think what the league, yeah, publicly will be very much leaning into the player empowerment and really just marketing the players because it has worked and it's continuing to work and it's what has I've said to you on pod on pod and off pod how many more jerseys I see year after year in Australia. You know, I saw a kid wearing a Delavadova jersey the other day, like. <laughs> And um, you see Ingles jerseys around on the street now because he's become quite a popular player with um, being a decently handy player for a good team in Utah. And 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 Simmons jerseys are obviously all over the place in Australia now. And and then the, the LeBron ones and the Kobe ones and um, all that are still everywhere here. And it's, it's second only to the uh, to Premier League and soccer now um, NBA kits on the streets of Australia. So you know I think that just shows, and that's because people they get behind the personalities and they, and kind of like soccer is very much a personality based sport, even though the team is very, obviously it's huge, but you know, people really get behind the personalities in soccer as well. And it seems to be that the, the two leagues are often compare the most because they do have very similar marketing. Obviously soccer is still just monumentally larger than basketball and always will be um, just because it is truly a world game. But basketball has that similar appeal that it's very easy to just find a court and pick up a basketball and go. Um, soccer is very much just grab, yeah. grab a ball and go. The sports are the, they're kind of the sports of the people that everyone can everyone can have a crack at and this, the, what, the, their marketing seems very similar. And and yeah, I just I see them being, being the two big sports of the next decade, really. Um, and you, I mean, it comes from the top. LeBron is a part owner of Liverpool. I'm sure mm-hmm. he saw that and saw how how powerful the players are in soccer mm-hmm. um, through all that, and kind of used that to inject it into the NBA a little bit. Um, it, it it is a really similar thing. I don't think we'll ever get to the point where there's not free agency. It's never going to be like soccer where a guy can just want to 
move to a bigger club and they can pay an absurd amount. I don't think um, American sport really has the that in it, um, but it'll be as close to that as possible while still having a salary cap and everything in yeah. the NBA I think, over the next 10 years. Yeah. Uh, this season, how are you feeling? We can just close off with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yeah, I mean, it still seems like the LA teams are pretty great. Uh, it's going to be tough in the West Coast to go through them. Uh, I think the Rockets' defense is a, going to be a <laughs> going to be a problem moving <laughs> forward. Uh, the West is just kind of all over the place right now. It's really early, so we don't really know. But the Blazers look like they're in trouble a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, the Suns look better than we thought. Uh, the T Wolves look better than we thought because Carl Anthony Towns is kind of going off, but uh, still less than a month into the season. So, ask me again in December, and we'll, <laughs> I might have a little bit better of an idea. But I do think the Rockets' defense moving forward is going to be a huge problem. And if the Lakers can stay healthy, they're obviously going to be a huge problem too. Yeah, yeah, I could say defensively for the Blazers as well, and they seem to just not quite have it together at the moment. And and like you said, they're they're in trouble because the the West is so strong that um, any team that can't quite get it together early will be uh, constantly fighting a uphill battle. Um, yeah. Really? Yeah. It, and then obviously the Warriors falling from grace in the span of what felt like six games has been the biggest storyline, I think. Yeah, yeah, they had a um, that was a really good graphic the ESPN did of like the six game stretch, which dates back to the last playoffs of like, you know, Durant getting injured, then Clay gets injured, then they lose by this. Katie leaves. Yeah, Katie <laughs> leaves. They lose by this, lose by this at the start of this season. Then Steph breaks his hand. Like that, the all in six games dating back to the last season. It's just, yeah. I mean, um, when Russell's hurt and Draymond's hurt now, it's just. They're trotting out a G League team. Literally don't recognize their starting five. Like, there's names on there. I'm like, I think I've heard of that guy, but I can't actually tell you if I have. So Pascal, second-round draft pick. That's their leading scorer now. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, who? What? <laughs> yeah, I know. Right? Yeah. And, you know, some people said, oh, you know, the Bills do for their success. And, no, no it's just it's just, it's just how basketball works. Um, it's a bad, yeah, and, and it bullshit. is, and it's an incredibly bad luck with Clay going down the, in those playoffs and, Durant as well, even though he's not there, and then Steph breaking his hand. Like, all that shit's just bad, bad luck. And uh, I'm not a big believer. I think, you know, good things come to good people, but bad things also come to good people that don't don't really deserve it. Steph doesn't deserve to break his hand. He's been – seems like a good dude, seems, and he's been a great player in the league. Like, and he breaks his hand on a freak fall thing. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, maybe lucky it happened now rather than in the midst of one of those championship runs, but, you know, because they weren't going to do much this year anyway. But, yeah, it's just bad luck. You know, as a fan, like you and me were talking in the preview pod about them, you know, watching, maybe watching a great Steph year, if nothing else, at the Warriors, and now we don't even get that. Would have been so, fun. Yeah. 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 I, I do think this, like, almost as bad as, as it is for them, it might be the best thing that could have happened to them because they're going to have a lottery pick now. Yeah. I would think. I know they beat the Blazers the other night. They were in. They were kind of in the game last night against Houston. Not really, but um, throw a lottery pick in there, and then you have your backcourt coming back healthy. Um, one of the best backcourts of in NBA history coming back healthy with a with a young great player out of college. Maybe this Memphis kid, who's a seven foot one guy with a seven foot three wingspan that can shoot threes. I mean, imagine the Warriors having that along with the two two of the greatest shooters of all time. So 
I do think it's the best thing that could have happened to him because they're not they weren't going to win the title this year anyway with Clay being out. So Steph being hurt may like sucks for him, sucks for my fantasy team, but <laughs> maybe the best thing that could have happened to the Warriors in the long run and maybe puts them back in title contention next year. Yeah. Um cuz I think they were going to need help especially if you know Paul George and Kawhi stay in Stay in LA and Anthony Davis stays in LA and LeBron continues playing. At some point he's gonna have to drop off, but so far it doesn't seem like it. Yeah. Um do you, are you surprised by um the Celtics being decent in the East or No, I think Kemba is almost a Kyrie without you know, just without the the drama surrounding him, which mm. we talked about last week. Um I don't. I still don't think they have what it takes to to surpass the Sixers or the Bucks in that conference. But I I do think they could push one of those teams to seven games. So, um, we'll see. Moving forward, I I'm still curious about the Bucks. I think they have a trade to make um, to get a little bit better. Whether I don't I don't want them to get Chris Paul, but I know that's been in the talks um, where Chris Paul ends up. But Thunder have actually been surprisingly competitive with the pieces they have. So I don't know if they're going to end up moving him or not, but I don't know exactly what the Bucks need right now, but they, they need this. They need a reliable scorer to go alongside Giannis and Middleton. I think. Yeah. So. I think Brogdon was a really big loss for them. Um, probably, probably one of the guys they really should have tried to keep, but you know, basketball doesn't work that way sometimes, but um, well, they kept Middleton. So, yeah. I mean, there's only, it's a small market team. So yeah. And I like Chris Middleton too. I just think Brogdon was the was a really, really like a player still in the still on the up and up at, um, in his improvement. So, do you think the them. Sixers have? Oh yeah, but I just think the Sixers have a chance to be really good this season. Um, whether they can take it all the way to the championship and you know get through the East um, and then beat one of the LA teams or whoever comes out of the West, there's a number of teams that still could. Um, just, I think Philly has a chance to be really good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that their thing will be keeping Embiid off on the court, which will both be both his fitness and his burgeoning wrestling, not fighting wrestling career as well. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. In, they're such a fun team, both in their personalities as well as um, just watching them play basketball as well. But <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I like Ben Simmons. I mean, it's a, it's this weird gray area for me. I just, <laughs> Kind of bothers me a little bit. Something about him. I don't know what it is. It's not the Australian thing. Oh, I'd hope not. So that, <laughs> <laughs> it's just something about his personality that just seems like it's like the complete opposite of Embiid, and so he comes across as kind of he's very cold. yeah he's very quiet and cold. Uh, whether it's just his way of um, you know insulating himself from because he's such it's funny how he's come to the league both with his like college career because he was so. He was so open about how the only reason he was at LSU was, and I, I appreciated that honesty actually. That he was just saying, "Yeah, I'm here because I have to be." Like, you know, and maybe, maybe he could, maybe if a few years later, because we're seeing it happen now with Lamelo Ball and and uh, <coughs> who's the other kid? There's another kid playing in the NBL now. Like they're actually using the Australian route to to circum, circumvent that um, college rule. But um, maybe, maybe he would have done that. But it was just, you know, it wasn't. It was a few years too early for that idea because it was still. It still seems new now, but 
Yeah, I think he's just he's so such a scrutinized player that maybe it's just his way of insulating against that is by just keeping cold and you know that. And have you ever seen someone's like just shooting? You know, he's he's been one of the most scrutinized guys over the last few years, and and you know when when he sunk that three in that preseason game, the whole crowd going nuts, which was like a cool fun moment. But it's like Jesus Christ, like yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just his way of insulating against that. You know, his his sister's on Twitter, and she's an interesting follow because she she kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds terrible to be honest with you. No, it's because she, like, I, it's kind of interesting watching how she, because she, she does do the like fuck the haters kind of stuff on there. So I feel like she's kind of the outlet. I'm sure she does. She's kind of, the, she almost seems like the, the outlet for his thoughts during a game. So it's just an interesting thing when you're watching a, if you're watching a Sixers game, just to keep an eye on that. Cause yeah, interesting. Yeah. But <laughs> I yeah. will not do that. But. <laughs> <laughs> I like hate following players and player relatives on Twitter. It just drives me. It just seems so like sterile. It just seems like it seems like something's either an ad or like just really, you know, by the book scripted type stuff. Oh, this stuff definitely isn't because <laughs> right. there's been some there's been some banter with some fans and whatever. So it's it's like it's fun. Mrs. I don't know. Vardy type stuff. No, oh, that's a whole other level. <laughs> Uh, no, it's just a scene. it's just like a fan watching basketball. So, like, because their family's obviously very, very deep. Oh yeah, their basketball yeah. family. So it is, it is a little bit better than that because you know Rebecca Vardy's just a wag, not to <laughs> wag. Yeah. Uh, whereas, <laughs> like, they're genuinely just it's just basketball fans talking about basketball, but with that, with that actual connection to the fan, to the person that's playing. So it's kind of like a unique angle of just keeping an eye on it. So yeah, just a random thing that I picked up on Twitter. I'll check when, in. Yeah. Just forward me some. Yeah, I'll, 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 if I find anything of interest, I'll pass it on. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Anyway, I'm on it like being a bit of a time crunch because I've got to work to this morning. So we've got another one to record. So about, All right. to, about time to wrap this one up. Unless you had any other final thoughts, I figured we'd just wrap it up and get 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 moving. I'm, I, I'm, I'm good to go. Um, Rockets defense, huge liability. Not going to work. Trade James Harden <laughs> to the east. <laughs> Well, there's your hot take right at the end of the right in the right at the end of the pod. So, <laughs> I love it. Keep people listening right to the end. Anyway, until next time, as we always say, stay sportsgasmic. Free Hong Kong. <laughs> <laughs>